One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. Still unpacking. Do we? I think the last time I was here, I talked about eagles and parrots, right? Oh yeah. Is there, is there anybody that's been transformed from a parrot into an eagle yet? Oh yeah. Yes. Devouring your enemies. Yep. Instead of just pecking seed. Amen. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that prayer that we prayed was inspired uh, of a dream. I'm going to share a dream tonight, and uh, we're going to talk about the real fire versus the false fire. All right, because there, there's a lot of people that faithfully go into churches thinking that they are um, touching uh, the real fire, um, and they're they're actually um, wanting the real fire, but all they get is something that keeps them coming back to a dead, powerless thing, right? And the church, the, church, the true church of Jesus Christ is not powerless. That's right. The true church of Jesus Christ represents His heart. He said, "In my name, you will go into the world and preach the gospel, 
and these signs will follow you, right? right? Yeah. You will cast out demons, you will heal the sick, you will pray in tongues, and you will take up serpents, meaning that you will take on principalities and powers and rulers of darkness because the manifold wisdom of God is upon you, right? And when you get a vision from the Lord, when you get the word of the Lord upon you, there's nothing that can stop you. That's right. There's no dark darkness that can stop a person that has the dream of the Lord, the vision of, of yes. the Lord in his heart. Amen? Yes. All right, so I got, I got these reports that, you know, you guys start, people start dreaming like, yeah. like yeah. wow, in here. Really? Yeah, people start having visions, start having dreams. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the sign of the true apostolic, right? You realize that, right? Um, Jesus actually said, if, if you don't see the signs, don't believe me, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and um, Paul, Paul actually said um, that signs and wonders and the equipping of the body is actually a, the, the true sign of the apostolic equipping of the church, right? So if, you're not, if you've never seen that happen, if you haven't been in a room full of people that the Lord has separated out of dead places and pulled together because He wants to equip them to do supernatural things, um, there's a shift going on <laughs> in, in, in America. I don't know if you realize oh, that. Yeah. Yeah, that there are people leaving dead churches yes. in droves, right. Yes. right? And it's not a coincidence. They're actually leaving dead things Things that you thought were alive just because they had a cross on the front door, you thought it was alive, but it was actually a dead thing. Um, the Lord is pulling people out of and delivering them out of dead things, dead organizations in droves. And they're coming into living rooms just like this. Um, and people are starting to dream. Um, they're starting to be equipped in, in the p- true power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's never going to look like what you're used to going to church on repeat. Right. On Sunday, right? Yes. Right? <laughs> what, what, what's, what's that cycle? Wash? Uh, rinse? Repeat? There's, there's some people that have sat in the same dead place on wash, rinse, repeat, never experiencing the power of God for decades. Can you feel that in your gut? The Lord is delivering people out of wash, rinse, repeat because people have been putting their hope in something that couldn't deliver them, couldn't equip them, and certainly could not send them. Okay? The mark of the apostolic, the true apostolic anointing is that the body is equipped in the power of the Holy Spirit. You hear the voice of the Lord and you're sent. You're not kept inside the barn. You're not kept inside the walls of the church. You're actually sent to go disciple and equip. Right? It's a simple gospel. It's not a complicated thing. Amen? And so I want to read you this dream because this is a pretty profound dream about um, being able to discern the real fire from the false fire. All right? So in this dream, Jesus takes me by the hand, leading me through the gates of hell. Uh, There's a factory under Satan's direct command. The title of the factory uh, reads Laodicea. Jesus walks me into the front door of this factory where I see a printing press, which is printing money in many different currencies. Beside the printing press is a furnace that produces light that appears as a flame. The demons working uh, to print the currency and to produce uh, the false flame are wearing clothes. They appear as magicians, sorcerers, witches, and psychics. There's no actual moving parts of the printing press 
or the furnace that produces the false flame. Instead, the demonic powers are casting spells, reading tarot cards, working magic, leading seances, and, and all of which produce the false flame and the money. It produces the currency. Okay? And you may wonder what that means. Very simply, um, behind the money um, and behind uh, the false flame is, is a real spirit. It's called witchcraft. It has an intent. It has a design. And if you don't think that's real, then we have some work to do, okay? But the reality is there's an enemy meant to deceive you, right? Does, angel, does Satan come as an angel of darkness or an angel of light? He comes appearing as something righteous to deceive and render the church powerless. He's not after the world. He's already got the world. But when Paul was talking about the, uh, an angel of light coming, right? he disguised himself as an angel of light. He's talking about what appears to be righteous, but is actually not righteous. It's powerless and intended to enslave and keep people basically powerless. Okay? Alright, so, continuing on in the dream. <clears throat> Jesus then walks me over to the false flame. And placed, um, he picked up the flame and placed it in my hand, allowing me to feel um, what the false flame felt like. It wasn't hot, um, but it looked real. So the flame actually looked real, but it had no fire. It literally had no heat to it, okay, as it, as it rested in my hand. Um, as, as we watched, Satan began organizing magicians, witches, psychics, and sorcerers into teams. Each team had those who were responsible for carrying thousands of dollars of currency, all right, and those who were responsible for carrying the false fire. The same magicians, witches, psychics, and sorcerers were then organized by Satan and sent as a team out of hell, taking with them the currency and the false fire. Jesus took me by the hand. And we followed them as they ascended out of hell and walked into a church. Imagine that. The demons with the money approached the pastor first as he stood in the pulpit. They began flaunting the money. And as I watched, I noticed that the pastor's attention began to be taken from the fire in his torch as his eyes gravitated toward the money. It was like the pastor was being hypnotized and a spell was cast on him, causing the pastor to lose focus. It was like he became powerless under the spell um, of this team of demons. The pastor soon lost his care for the people, having his heart harnessed by the currency and never looking again to the people that he was called to lead. When this moment occurred, the demons knew he was hypnotized. The other team of demons with the false fire moved into the scene. Because the spell was upon the pastor, the demons were able to quickly exchange the real fire that was in his torch with the false fire. They stole his fire. Okay. The demons took the real fire and locked it in a metal box that was hidden under the altar. It was like the demons used the altar to mock the real fire that was locked away. As soon as the real fire was stolen from the pastor, the people appeared in trances just like the pastor. The people could see the fire in the pastor's torch. They thought it was real. They could not tell the difference between the real flame and the false flame. They trusted a man in a pulpit. 
<laughs> the hypnotic state of the people allowed them to be satisfied day after day, week after week, year after year, as they came back to the same altar to stare at the same false fire that they thought was real, but was disguised to hypnotize the people into powerlessness. All right? Instead of taking the real fire to the streets, cities, and nations, the trance was so hypnotic that all they wanted to do was come back to the church week after week, month after month, and year after year. It made them feel good inside. I'm not talking to anybody in, in here, am I? There's nobody that fell into the wash, rinse, repeat cycle, and you thought your whole met, your whole call in life was to go back to Sunday after Sunday after Sunday in a trance, was there? Not doing anything in the power of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm not talking to anybody yet, am I? At this point, Jesus touched my belly, and I could feel the pain that Christ had for His people who were hypnotized by the fire, the false fire, no longer empowered by the fire of Christ, but chained to the chairs contained by the walls under the spell of the powers of darkness. As Jesus and I stood in this church, I wept. I couldn't stop crying. All I, all I could feel was the heart of Jesus for the people that were enslaved in what they thought was righteous and real, but was actually keeping them in a dead place, doing dead things in a dead system that wasn't changing the world, but just letting the people feel good. Yeah. All right? <laughs> he took me by the hand and walked me into the midst of the demons who now surrounded the pulpit, dancing because they had locked the real flame in a box. Jesus reached under the pulpit where the demons hid the flame. He handed me a key and showed me how to open the box where the flame was hidden. When I opened the box, the flame jumped out, and the first thing that it did was start to chase the magicians, the witches, the psychics, and the sorcerers out of the church. It then drove the false flame out of the church, and the pastor who was under the spell was also driven out into the streets, representing the false flame that he bowed to. And if you don't think Jesus does that to, to pastors, you're, you're fooling yourself. Um, let me continue. The people realized that it was the real flame now that opened their eyes and caused their hearts to burn so they began to guard the flame to the degree that they were no longer centered around a pastor dependent upon a man, but they became dependent on the real flame of the Holy Ghost, having experienced the difference between the authentic fire and the false fire. Anybody know the false fire? Because you've experienced the real fire? Anybody realize that just in the last few weeks and months, many of you started to dream because you've been touched by the real fire of the Holy Ghost? Amen? Well, the Lord wants to do a deeper thing here tonight. Alright? The, the, the authentic flame that the people now valued now took center stage in their life and the people were on their face before the flame, guarding it with all their hearts. All they wanted to do was hold on to the flame because they knew the real flame and could discern the lie and the yes. false flame. Amen? Yeah. As they focused on the flame, the fire... <laughs> The fire would, would rest upon their hearts. The fire would then leap out onto the people that they bumped into because the fire that was upon them was so loved and so valued that it literally rested on them. And everywhere they went, the fire started jumping on people. 
because people knew the fire. They knew the fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. They fought, they started to see the fire sweep across neighborhoods and cities. People no longer even gathered around the church building. Instead, they started meeting in homes and praying strategically with the Holy Spirit to take the fire where the authentic flame wanted them to go. They wouldn't go back to the dead uh, place that, the, that, that was called a church. They went where the place where the fire was. And when the fire rested on their heart, they took the fire out to the streets because the call of God was upon their life. Amen. It was no longer about being centered on a man, but knowing the real flame and going where the flame wanted to go next. Amen. So is the Lord preaching to anybody tonight? Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. So the revelation, I want to, I want to talk about a few things um, that the Lord really wants to zero in here on. Um, because unless you've experienced the real thing, you'll be a victim of the dead routine system that cannot reproduce. It cannot, it may appear righteous. They may appear to um, say, well, Jesus did this and I heard Jesus say this. But if there's no power, guess what? It's a false flame. Because when Jesus speaks, darkness screams. Demons fly out of people. People get healed. The supernatural happens. Right? People are awakened because God is present. If God's not present, it's just a man's system. Right? It may make you feel good. You may put your money in a bucket. Anybody put their money in a bucket to make themselves feel good? You don't have to answer that. I'll get to that in a minute a little deeper here. But um, here's the deal. What have you been centered around? What were, what were you centered around 6, 12, 18 months ago versus what you're centered around now? Do you know the difference? Do you know the difference? Because if you don't know the difference, you'll keep going back to a dead building and a dead system looking for the same thing that can't deliver you when the only thing you actually need is a value system on the Holy Spirit and the flame of God who will speak to men and make one man a giant killer, make one man a supernatural deliverer of a nation, make another man sent to this nation and to that nation, Mm -hmm. into this city to do supernatural things that only the flame can empower a person to do. So where do you set your mind right on the flame on the real flame flame. you got to find the real flame right you have to know the real flame amen because here's the deal when jesus came contrary to many people's um perspective he didn't come to give you a book all right he didn't come to give you a book he came to give you the holy spirit Right? Amen. On the day of Pentecost, what came? What did Jesus send? What was the valued thing that rose Jesus from the grave? It was the Holy Ghost, right? One thing. Stay in this city until I send the power of the Holy Spirit upon you, right? The one who would baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire sends the Holy Ghost upon people, which makes them supernatural, right? They could not be stopped, right? Peter, before the, the, the Pentecost, was a chicken, that went to religious <laughs> services that tried he tried to he tried to make himself feel good, right? But he's a chicken. He's a chicken, right? He's a he's a chicken. You got it. Talk about right chicken, right? You see, any man in a religious system will be exposed in the impossible situation. 
true. Because the impossible situation can only be overcome by one thing, and that is the voice of the Lord Amen. speaking into the darkness, right? And a, and a person who knows the, the fire of God, the, the voice of God, will value it above all things, right? So why do many of you, or why have many of you put your hope in a dead system that only the Lord could actually produce through a, through a person who would carry the Holy Ghost into the darkest places of the earth? Amen? You with me, church? <laughs> so, I want to I highlight a couple things here. Number one, hell has a strategy. Right? Paul warned us about the angel of light. It wasn't, it wasn't, are you, I mean, a Satanist isn't going to sneak up on you, is he? Right? You know, it's a dark thing. It's a Satanist, right? It's like caution, right? Right? But an angel of light draws you close. An angel of light uses scriptures and special, you know, nuances of, of, of scripture trying to tickle your ears and uh-huh. make you believe things and ultimately it sounds really good right mm-hmm. but only the, the discernment of the Holy Ghost that's right. That's right. right the power of the Holy Ghost can actually produce a supernatural the gift in you that only Christ can pull out of you Amen. right Amen. you get the picture and so here's a, here's a very important point when Jesus was in the wilderness right Jesus gets baptized in the Holy Ghost where did the Holy Ghost lead him you let him into the desert, right, for 40 days to face who? Satan. Many of you have been baptized in the Holy Ghost are led, you feel, you might feel like it's a desert, but it's actually an ultimate place of deliverance. Okay? Because here's the deal. When Jesus went into the desert and he's facing Satan, what did Satan use to trick him? The Word. Scripture. Satan, it says in the book of James, chapter 2, that Satan knows the Bible he knows it. Yeah. He actually knows it better than all of you. Yes. Yes. He knows everything about it. And Jesus knew Scripture. Yep. So what was the battle in the desert about? The I, would, the I would argue with you that the battle the in the desert, although you hear preachers say it all the time, Jesus used the Word to defeat the devil. That's a lie no, he from hell. He knew the, the Holy Ghost. That's right. Yes. The living voice. Yes. Satan knew Scripture. Jesus knew the Holy Ghost and says, you're interpreting that wrong. You're interpreting that wrong, Satan. You're trying to get me to jump and tempt my Father, and I don't have to because the Spirit is not leading me. You may be using Scripture to tempt me, but the Spirit of God says, hold fast. Amen. Yes. So what was Jesus referencing when he says it is written? He was talking about the new heart. Upon a man. And it's been written on our hearts. He was talking about the Holy Ghost who would come and you would actually hear him so profoundly that it would be like a pen writing on the heart of man. You're walking in like a bad man and Jesus is saying, he's writing on me right now. And he's calling you a liar, devil. He's writing on me right now and you're a liar, devil. Because I am in the, the anointing of discernment. I can discern because the Spirit of God is upon me. And most Christians walk into a place that just because it has a cross on it, they think it's alive, but it's actually a place of captivity that renders you powerless because a man stands on a pulpit and uses Scripture to tickle your ears and make you think that it's a righteous place when it's actually a powerless place. You think, you think that dream was a description of, 
uh, some far-fetched, out-of-the-world thing no. that doesn't happen all no. the time. No. He's describing the majority of churches Amen. that captivate people with a with a powerless message and get them rinse, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. The same cycle coming back week after week, thinking thinking that you're like you're getting it right. This is gonna be it. This is gonna be it this week, and everybody stays inside the walls for. 1998, 1999, 2000, 2001, and pretty soon you're sitting, it's 2023, and you're still in the same dead place that you thought was alive because they said the right scriptural things, but there was no apostolic anointing on the people that it disciples them, equips them, and sends them. Right? The, the, the mark of the, the apostolic anointing is you hear God, you get equipped to hear the Lord, which many of you are talking like, I suddenly hear dreams. I'm having dreams. The Lord is talking this about me. He's equipping me. He's telling me to go cast the devil out of this person. He's telling me to go heal this person. Right? Mm-hmm. That's apostolic because his voice is the fire that there is no substitute for. His voice is the real thing. Right? And when his voice comes upon a man, a woman, a supernatural one, you then are sent. You see, you don't need a man to say, I bless you, I send you. You don't need that. You need to to hear the Holy Ghost. Do it. Right? This lie of covering, if you leave, you're going to die. Anybody hear that one? We're going to live. Right? If you leave, you're coming out from under the covering. Oh, I, I, I fear for your life. Are you kidding me? That's the spell. That's the spell that was described in the dream. The false flame, right? The false flame puts a spell on the people. For some reason, although you don't see the power of the Holy Ghost, you are willing to sit there in dead wash, rinse, repeat. Week after week, month after month, year after year. Amen? Everybody okay? So so here's the deal, okay? We're going to talk about money here in a minute, but the true apostolic anointing actually hunts the darkness. the, The darkness will not be present when the true apostolic, when the Holy Ghost fire is upon a man. It will not tolerate the magician's the spellcasters, the liars who actually take Scripture and weigh men down. Right? Amen. And so here's the deal, guys. Um, <coughs> um, <laughs> spiritual discernment and true product is a... or Spiritual discernment and true judgment are a product of intimacy. You and the flame are made one. Yes. Right? You can't have enough scripture memorized and say you have this discernment. Because Satan uses scripture in many different facets to twist and turn and pull the heart in a wrong direction. Okay? But a person who knows the voice of the Lord can sit there and not say, Well, I know all this stuff in Isaiah, I know all this stuff in Ezekiel, I know all this stuff in John, and Jesus did this and situ- this situation. You know, the Bible purposely contradicts itself in many places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because you're not supposed to be Scripture memorized dependent. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be voice driven. Yeah, That's right. amen. Amen? That's right. There's a major difference. Yeah. And if you're voice driven, you if you're truly voice driven, you won't be system dependent 
The voice of God will be the God in your life. Is anybody being awakened to the reality that, the, that, that, that Jesus is delivering a lot of people out of dead systems, dead religious routines and processes that could never... They looked righteous, but they actually weren't righteous. They were false flames. Okay? The false flame that he put in my hand, it wasn't hot. It appeared, it looked good, but it had no power. Right? And that's, that's not what happens when the real flame comes. When the real flame comes, you cannot stand before the presence of the Lord. Right? There will be people weeping. There will be people crying. There will be people having demons cast out of them. There will be people being equipped in the Holy Ghost. Anybody, anybody see that lately? Right? Amen? And so, um, uh, this, this concept of Yudah, you know, I, I, I beat this scripture into people's heads because this one scripture, if you, grab, if you grasp the revelation of what the Lord equips you with, with the Holy Ghost. He's actually giving you everything you need. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay? And so, when Jesus, in, in Isaiah 11, when it says that Jesus was clothed in the sevenfold Spirit of God, it mm-hmm. says He was equipped um, in the, the Spirit of uh, wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, um, and, and uh, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The Spirit of knowledge... I think I, I think I taught this the last time I was here. The spirit of knowledge is actually the word yada. It means intimacy. Mm-hmm. It's it's the word that is described in the Bible of when Adam knew yes. Eve, right? Yada, mm-hmm. right? And so when the Lord is saying, um, "I will clothe you in yada," I will clothe you in intimacy. It's it's the ultimate gift. He's not holding anything back from you. He's giving you everything, right? And so we were talking here before before everybody came. Um, this the one scripture that I always use with you guys, Isaiah 28, verse 9, 10, 11. He says, To whom will I teach knowledge? It's the word Yadah. To whom will I teach intimacy? He's actually, you know, if you, if you truly understand the word knowledge, he's actually portraying the difference between Satan using scripture in the desert to trick Jesus and Jesus using Yadah. Mm-hmm. Jesus used Yadah, intimacy with the Spirit in the desert, to say, you're a liar, devil. You may have spoken something that is written in Scripture, but it's not true in this moment. That's right. Come and on. see, a lot of the church is actually paralyzed from taking a Scripture and saying it's not true. You've been, it's been beat into your head that the Bible is true in all circumstances. That's a lie. Okay? That the Bible is circumstantial. Wherever the Holy Spirit chooses to use a scripture, if you know the Holy Spirit and He's speaking that scripture, it is true in that moment. Amen. Okay? He's yeah. going to, if it's, if it's to feed the 5,000, if there's 5,000 people in you, and He, say, he, he says, um, whatever, whatever the 5,000 scripture is, I think it's John, John uh, chapter 6, right? If He says John 6, and He says, um, this is you today, Dave. And it's like, holy heck, the Lord's going to feed this whole group. Yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how it's going to happen, but he just told me yeah. it's John 6 day. Amen. It's feed the 5,000 day, right? right? Because the Spirit spoke it to me in the moment. Yeah. You see, the word of, word of faith will actually take the body. Anybody in word of faith? Anybody ever get captivated by word of faith? The word of faith movement was a heavily condemning movement in many yeah. ways. Mm-hmm. Okay, the word of faith movement will actually... Um, it takes scripture that is true, right? It says God wants to heal, right? And and what happens when people are in word of faith um, theology theological situations? Um, if they pray for five people and five people don't get healed, 
guess what they do? They turn around and say, you have a faith problem. Yep. Yeah, because they do. Those people they do. Every time. You have a, the problem is you because you don't have enough faith. Well, you know why that's a lie? Because that's not voice driven. That's you selecting a couple of scriptures and thinking that you have to apply that's it to your right. life all, all day long. That's right. Where does faith come from? Does it come from you hearing. making a scripture or from you hearing? Hearing the, word. Yeah. Yeah. hearing the voice. My God, if you could only center your life on hearing the voice yes. of God, all ability, all power, all faith comes upon the woman and the man who hear the voice. Yes. Oh my God. I got it. This is what the Lord is saying. I had a dream, and there's a false flyer that's been keeping my people bound and powerless, and I'm coming to Rochester, New York, to awaken the church. My God, I got a word from the Lord. Come on. I feel, I feel the Lord, man. I feel it. Woo! Can you feel faith in it? Yes. I feel electric. I feel electric, man. I feel electric. You see, when faith comes in the room, it can't be stopped. It's a force punches through the dark days. The word of faith will can you know how many people have been condemned by a word of faith, which is a demonic doctrine? Yes. It is. Picking out scriptures and says the Bible says you can heal, and if you don't, if you can't heal, Jennifer, you got a faith problem. Mm. Wait, just condemning. You know how many people get activated in gifts, and then they feel the condemnation of of they're called faithless by the leadership in the church. Mm. Mm. It's real. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in those environments. It's a false flame. It's a false flame. Because that opposes the simplicity of you relying on the Holy Spirit and hearing Him. And if He says, go pray for these 18 people, you go pray. If He says, go sit with me for the next three weeks, and we're going to talk about something else, you're comfortable in it because He's speaking to you. Amen. That's right. You're, you're voice-driven. You're not... Fe- all these theologies are, are, are... Anything that is not voice-oriented will ultimately bring condemnation upon your life. That's right. Because it's in man's own strength. Oh, yeah. right. It's a false flame. Mm-hmm. Amen? Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen? So, that scripture that I kind of forgot about as I got on my tangent there, um, Isaiah 28, <laughs> verse 9, 10, 11, he says, To whom will I teach intimacy? The word knowledge. And whom will I teach to understand the report? He says, he says, is it is it the 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 guy in the pulpit? I'm paraphrasing now. Is it the guy in the pulpit um, repeating scripture, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little? And I'm, in the amplified, he actually answers the question. He says, No, I will teach you with a stammering lip and another tongue. Verse eleven says, This is the rest in yeah. which the weary will rest. Anybody been in church for a long time and you're weary as all get out? Does anybody need a rest? Yeah. i got to ask you a question. Have you learned to pray? If anything that I've taught you in the last, I don't know, what's it been, six, seven months since I've been coming to upstate New York, have you learned to pray? Yeah. Have you learned to stop looking inside of the walls of an organization? And have you learned to step into your prayer room where he will he will bring rest 
He will bring fire upon you. He will bring His presence upon you. Dreams and visions will expand and grow. And the supernatural will go. And, and your vision will stop being in men's systems. Your vision, your hope, will be in what the Lord is dropping in your spirit. My God. My God. The church has left the building. Are you with me? The, tr the, tr the real church is coming out of the walls of this dead. Well, I mean, how do they do it? How do they keep getting you to come back? And you, you leave on Sunday and nothing happened. Or that was a good prophecy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know, man. You can get out so many paths on this, but what's your call? Do you realize that every one of you have a call of God in your life? There's, a, there's an assignment for you. There is an anointing upon your life. There's a horse. There's armor that He has destined for you. There's, there's people that you're going to raise from the dead. There's the sick you're going to heal. You're going to do impossible things because instead of going into dead organizations, you learn to pray with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I know I taught you this before, but the gift of tongues actually, it's goo-goo-gaga, right? You remember that? Yeah. Anybody remember goo-goo-gaga? Right? You don't know what to say, but the Holy Ghost prays through you. And the analogy is a baby crying for its mother's milk. And when you cry, the milk flows. So why would you go looking for a fire in a place that probably is not going to give it to you? When you could sit in the presence of the Lord and say, I know you're going to give it to me. Yes. You know why? Because you promised me yeah. that when I shando sapre, you're going to give it to me. Yes. How many people have had increased dreams and visions in the last four, five, six months oh, yeah. since you started this new awakening thing? Right? Right? Because the Lord is, is pulling people out of dead routines and, and systems and giving them dreams. You're literally having dreams not only of your own deliverance, but of your own equipping, your purpose. You're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I could do that. Yeah. But he says, I am. He says, you're going to do it. You're going to go, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? So why do you put your hope in a place that can never give it to you? Mm -hmm. i got to ask the question. Mm -hmm. Probably because you couldn't see that it wasn't a real fire. Mm -hmm. Everybody okay? Yes. yes. <laughs> You see, spiritual gifts, all the gifts come out of your prayer life. All the power of the Holy Ghost comes out of your prayer life. It comes out of you hearing the voice of the Lord because if He drops the vision in your heart, the power is automatic. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema, right? You get, you get the vision and the power is upon you, right? So i got to ask you, why do you keep going back to a dead place that can't give you? There is no substitute for the Holy Spirit, you know. No. There's no church that can be a substitute for the Holy Spirit. You either know the Holy Spirit in the real fire, or you're a victim of a false flame. And that may you that may sound harsh, so I'll say it again. You either know the Holy Spirit and He delivers you, or you are a victim of the false flame. Okay, you're all church people, in some fashion. So you're either being led by the Holy Spirit, or you're going to a system to, to, to feel part of something and expecting a system to give it to you instead of what only the Lord can drop in your heart. Alright? So Paul said it this way. Paul said it this way in Galatians 3.1. Um, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has put a spell on you? 
And if you understand the, what, why Paul was writing this, Paul's in Galatia. He's running through Galatia. Do you know Jesus? Boom! Baptizing people in the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. He's literally running through Galatia. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Right? Be filled with the Holy Ghost. People getting up off the ground, praying in the Holy Ghost, shot through, break, casting demons out of people. <laughs> Other supernatural's happening, right? And then all of a sudden, Paul leaves Galatia to go on his next mission. And he gets word that the Judaizers, right? The guys who, who, who kind of embraced the Holy Spirit, but they took the church back to doctrinal, powerless forms of religion. That could not, that were actually a prison system. And Paul equates it to a bewitching, a spell. What, what was the dream? The dream was about a, a, um, a, an assignment that came out of hell to put a spell on the church. Yeah. Our, our doctrines, our powerless doctrines, just bad doctrine, or our powerless doctrines, demonic in nature? You got to realize if you are in, if you see a powerless thing, it's not the work of the Holy Ghost. It is doctrinally in error. And you may say, well, you will they claim Jesus. I don't care if they claim Jesus. Because Jesus said He wasn't the finished mark. Jesus actually told the church, you're not done. Stay here in this city. I'm going to send the power of the Holy Ghost upon you. And then my church will be sent to the world. And so if you wonder why the analogy of the, the um, assignment out of hell to, to bring the false flame to the church. It's the same analogy as Jesus saying, you're powerless until I baptize you in fire. Mm-hmm. Get the picture? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I, I look at the, whole, the, the church as a whole different thing. People say, well, do you believe in Jesus? And you're good. No, no. No, no. That is not the end point. You can claim Jesus all day long. The evidence of Jesus is His baptism. The evidence of Jesus is His church of power doing supernatural things, raising the dead, healing the sick, doing impossible things. Right? The church was never meant to be a captive thing. It was never meant to be a powerless group of people singing Kumbaya and coming back week after week on Sunday for decades. Amen? Pat, can you picture the pastor? Well, I don't know what I'm going to talk about, but I've got to come up with something good tomorrow morning. Come on, who's pastored? I, you know, if you pastored in a dead system, that's the way those dead systems work. I've got to, I got to put somehow put piece something together and throw some scripture in there, tell some good stories. Okay, it doesn't take it doesn't take a very articulate guy to throw some scripture together and tell a good story. People that are hypnotized will eat anything. But people who are baptized in the Holy Ghost will not listen to that garbage because they'll be sitting there. My kids, you know, when our kids got filled with the Holy Ghost at age 7, 8, 9, and 10, we'd go back to Pennsylvania to the church where my mom grew up, and my kids would walk in there, and they'd look at me and say, Dad, why are we sitting in this place? This place is dead! And I'd be going, you're right! I don't care if I'm going to make my mom mad. We're getting out of here! This place is dead! I'd be going, Mom, this place is dead! My, all three of my kids, 6, 7, 10, 11 years old, where's the Holy Spirit? Why is there anybody getting healed? Why is there anybody getting baptized in the Holy Ghost? Why is there anybody crying? Why is there anybody that was in fear last night coming and getting healed at the altar? Where's the power of the Holy Spirit? I'm like, my God, you did a miracle with my kids. My kids, my kids are like, we know the Holy Ghost. Amen? I'm like, 
Hey, go, you go. You go, guys. Amen. <laughs> so when Paul says, who has bewitched you, he's taught, he's, his heart as a father, he's looking at the church that was stolen back by demonic power. The real flame was sold out for the false flame. And you get this church that comes together and all they do is sit around and sing Kumbaya and listen, listen to some guy talk about Scripture, but there's no power in the church. There's no equipping and sending of people to do the work of, of the ministry. Amen? And so, can anybody equate to that? You see, the number one sign of a religious spirit, Paul called it Judaizers, but I'll say it this way, the number one sign of a religious spirit is a people's codependency on that organization. If you are more dependent on the organization than you are on the Holy Ghost, you have a codependency issue. You have, a, you have a reliance on a system that can't sustain and supply you what Amen. only the Holy Ghost can supply Amen. you. Amen. All right? So anybody, everybody knows what codependency is? Codependency is something that you need to give you life. You, you think you, all your hopes in it, all your ability in the future, who you are, everything is tied up in a codependent relationship. And people who are tied up under the spell of a codependent relationship will tell you, it's like I couldn't leave. Mm-hmm. I, my husband was beating me, but I just couldn't leave. Mm-hmm. They were take, he was taking advantage of me, but I just couldn't leave. You know why? Because that's not just a feeling. It's a demonic spirit mm-hmm. of right. witchcraft mm-hmm. right. that actually enslaves people in a spiritual yeah. blindness that keeps them going back and keep going back to a codependency that is dead. All cults are a codependency. Right. And, and, and a lot of you say things like, well, I'd never be in a cult. And I say, well, let's go sit in your church service for about five minutes and I'll tell you whether you're codependent is sitting in a cult or you're in a place where the Holy Spirit is flowing. You with me, church? Yes. Everybody okay? Yeah. <laughs> are you codependent? There's nobody in here not codependent at all? <laughs> Come on, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just being real here. you got to ask the question. It's like Holy Ghost. Let's say it. Hey, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Is there any codependency in me? Is there any codependency in me? With dead systems. With dead systems. Anything you need to deliver me of. Especially witchcraft. Especially witchcraft. Set me free tonight. Set me free tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You see, I'll say it again. The true apostolic is very simple. People get baptized in the Holy Ghost. They're led to give their lives to Christ. And it's real, right? Jesus said, whoever desires to save their life will lose it. Whoever desires to lose their life for my sake will find it. And most codependencies never lead people into being dead for Christ. Because being dead for Christ is actually, you're dead. It's not about your need, it's about His voice. Right? And codependencies don't lead you into absolute, full out on giving of your life for Christ because they need you to keep coming back to put money in their offering plates. Come on. That's right. I'm not tripping on anybody's toes, am I? Come on, preach it. You see, when, it, when, when they don't have anybody coming to, to fill their offering plates, then their purpose all dissolves. It all goes out the window. It's a numbers game. Right? How do we get enough people in the, inside the walls to have enough offering money and we call it God's offering, 
I feel the Holy Ghost falling on this. It's okay, right? I, I, how do we get enough people inside the walls to sustain this dead thing? Yeah. Right? How do we keep them in a trance? Mm-hmm. How do we condemn them with Scripture? Mm-hmm. Anybody ever get condemned with Malachi 3? Oh, yeah. Bring your money into the storehouse. If you're not, you're robbing God. Anybody hear that? Oh, yeah. You all heard it. You know it's a lie? It's a lie. It is a twist of Scripture. It is a lie. You either believe Jesus fulfilled all the law, which is scriptural, right? It says that Jesus fulfilled the law law. and the prophets. That's right. So if Jesus fulfilled the law, Uh why are you tithing under a Levite system? Mm -hmm. We'll get deeper to that in a minute here. Okay? But here's the deal, guys. I feel I feel people there's gonna be deliverance in here tonight. There's gonna be spiritual deliverance in here tonight. Because here's the we're gonna talk about mission and money. Mission and money. If you if you if we summarize the dream in a nutshell, the the false mission is you coming back to a dead thing worshiping a false flame. And the money is connected to it, right? The, 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 the script in hell was to produce a false flame and print currency. Mm. Produce a false flame and print currency. Money is connected to the spell. Okay? And if the false flame is present, they will use Scripture to twist it to condemn you into feeling like you have to dump your money into a plate or you're not achieving um, being right with God. Amen. They do it. Okay? They do it. You know they do it. You should run from those. We'll get deeper into that here in a second. But here's the deal. You should know that sowing and reaping is a scriptural New Testament concept, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Jesus actually said, what you sow, you will reap. Yeah. Right? Or what you, yeah, what you yeah. sow, you will reap. Right? So sowing and reaping is scriptural. But I would challenge you that the law has been fulfilled. We'll get to that deeper in a second. But following the voice of the Lord, if you know the real flame and you know that Jesus fulfilled all the law, the law doesn't apply to you anymore. Okay? The law will reveal your need as a sinner to need a Savior, right? Because Paul said that we don't throw the law away, but the law has a purpose to reveal your need of a Savior, but once you receive Christ, you step into the one who fulfilled the law. Alright? So you're no longer under the law, right? You are under grace. Yes. Right? I could spend all night talking about the book, yeah. book of Romans, but you are no longer under the law, you are under grace. Right? You are actually living in resurrection. You are no longer in the dead place under the law that could not save. You know, the law could not impute righteousness. You couldn't do all of it and even impute righteousness. Right? right? It, was, it could not, Paul said in no. the book of Hebrews 9, it could yeah. not cleanse the conscience. That's right. How many of you have been in church for, for years and even decades, yet you deal with condemnation, guilt, and fear and anxiety and self-deprivation in ways that's like, why do I keep feeling like this? Yeah. I'll tell you why. Because you are under a law mentality and have not truly received the fullness of Christ. Because Christ, there's a freedom. There's a liberty in Christ that the law could not do. Yeah. Right? The freedom in Christ is liberating. Yeah. It liberates you from anxiety. It liberates, yes. it liberates you from 
having to perform. It liberates you from having to earn and, and achieve. It, it liberates you from, uh, from the anxiety sources that produce something in you that you never achieve, you never own up. That's the law. Okay? And, and the law is actually designed to kill you. The law is designed to actually get you to fall on your yeah, face yeah. and cry out, Jesus! Yeah, right. And when you cry out, Jesus, you actually are no longer under the law. You then receive the fire of the Holy Ghost that imparts a righteousness. It imparts a purging. It's the fire that does something to you. That's why John said, I baptize you in water to repentance but the one who's coming after me will baptize you in the holy ghost and fire yeah, yeah, so when people yeah. say do i need to get baptized in the holy ghost and fire i'm like dang yes, right you do you are yeah. dang right jesus said don't leave you're not done i'm going to baptize you i'm going to purge you of those dead lying things and i'm going to send you in my power you need baptized in fire Yes. <laughs> you absolutely need so baptized in fire, it's not even funny. Yeah. Right? Yes, yeah. yeah, sir. People, I love these guys that stand in a pulpit and they don't say, believe. well, just believe in Jesus. We don't get into all that holy roller stuff. We don't get into that Holy Ghost stuff. But just say you're good with Jesus and you're good. Just say the prayer. Just say the prayer. Just say the prayer, man. You're good. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's an absolute lie from the pit of hell. Amen? And so here's how Paul talked about money. In the, in the book of Philippians, this is a, a Philippians 4, verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. They're sowing into his mission. Paul has a mission. Indeed, I have all. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Ephroditus the things sent from you—a sweet-smelling aroma and acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So Paul is saying, "I'm on this mission, and you believed in the call of God upon my life, and you helped send me." Paul's making tents. He's, he's, he's making his way to preach the gospel, which is unlike many pastors who bring people in to, to equip their, their, kid, their, their kitty, right? And you may say, well, that's kind of extreme. Well, I look at the gospel completely different because of the way the Lord delivered me. Yeah. Right? When the, when, the Lord, when the Lord woke me up in 2016 and said a man from India is going to call you, I had no idea. I had no, like, I, there wasn't people giving me money. Not one. Okay, there was nobody giving me money. And I said, yes, Lord. Right? And the next thing you know, I buy my plane ticket. And the moment I bought my plane ticket, I had a lawyer um, at, at a corporate office walk up to me and say, this has never happened to me before, but I, I feel like I'm supposed to write you a check. Right? He writes me this big check. I walk down the hall, and this engineering manager, he pulls me in, and he goes, you're a Christian, right? I said, yeah. He goes, he goes, I'm a Christian too. I'm pretty sure the Lord told me to give you some money. <laughs> What's going on? I said, I'm going to India. He sits there and writes me a check, okay? And he and his checks started coming in, okay? Because I heard a voice that said, I'm going to India to raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons, and get as thousands and thousands and thousands baptized Holy Ghost that I could possibly get. Amen. And he started funding me. Mm -hmm. And as I started going, then he says to me, he says to me this, he says, 
Because I still got some religion in me at this point, okay? I'm, I'm like, where am I going to tithe, Lord? Where Should I send my money out to this church in California? Should I send my money out here? Where am I going to tithe, Lord? And he says to me, I want you to invest in the place I send you. I'm going to equip you to fund your own missions. And I was, I was like, oh my gosh. So, it, you know, going to India is like 10000 a pop, right? I mean, I'm going to pay to preach. You know any preachers that go pay to preach? It's a completely radical different concept. When the Lord says, I'm sending you somewhere, and oh, by the way, you need to drop ten grand to go do it. What? you got to believe and know that you know that you know. Are you with me, church? you got to know that you know. Because when He says do it, you don't hesitate, you do it. And I started send money to men over there that I don't know and all these stories of people getting ripped off and I had to trust who the Lord was connecting me with. Send this money over there. I go over and I'm preaching in front of thousands of people getting pastors baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then the Lord says, um, He starts sending me to places in America. I went to this church in, in Ohio. I walk in and I'm like, all right, you know, back, back in this American thing. I'm sitting there and he gave me this vision. He gave me this word um, on Psalm 68 about a thousand full blessing. So I'm preaching this message about this church is going to be blessed. And when I finish, I have this altar call. The Lord says, I want you to write this church a check for a thousand dollars. I'm like, this is America. I came here to preach. And the Lord says, no, you're writing a check for a thousand dollars in this church. And I'm sitting there like, I can't take, I'm not here to take any of your money. I'm here to write you a check. Mm. I'm sowing into the word that wow. I gave you a thousand dollars. You see, you guys are going to be doing this stuff. Because the Lord is awakening a new breed. He's awakening a deliverer who will follow His voice and do supernatural things that the dead religious routine place would never even equip you to hear and believe. And then He pulls people out into wilderness places to fight a battle with the devil so that you know the voice of the Lord so profoundly that when He says go, you go. When He says stop, you stop. Because you know the Holy Ghost. You are not reliant on memorized scripture. Yes. You know the real deal. Yes. Right? You know the living God. Yes. Are you with me, church? Yes. I mean, is anybody ready to shake the world? Come on. Yes. Yes. You got a purpose Amen. burning in you? Amen. You see, Paul didn't go and build churches. He went to disciple people. Discipling is way different than you building a church organization and staying in it for 30 years. He actually went to a place, got them baptized in the Holy Ghost. Then he said, the Lord is asking for your life. Will you really give your life? I know this church organization over here had you come to the altar and you said real nice, yes, Jesus, and there were no tears, there was no conviction of your heart, but you kind of felt the tinglies, so you said yes. But I'm asking you for your whole life. Because if you give your whole life, you might be shipwrecked, you might be beaten, you might be put in prison, you might be taken places that the average man would never go, you may be secluded for a for a year, you may be taken away and sit with me. For, for, for a, a week or so, you yeah. may be doing things that the average church goer would never Come believe on. in. Yes. Because my voice will cause you yes. to do things yes. that that organization could never create or develop or release in you. Mm-hmm. Only my voice 
can set you free. Only my voice can launch you. Only my voice can equip you. Only my voice will anoint you. Only my voice. And the Lord says, I'm pulling people out of that dead religious organization so that you can actually say yes to me and give your life. You see, many of you thought you gave your life years ago, but I'm here to tell you, no, you didn't. You kind of did, but you never had a guy stand in front of you and say, the Lord wants your life. He wants everything about you. He just doesn't want your 10% in a plate. He wants your whole heart. And your whole heart costs more than 10% in a plate. That is actually, if you believe under the law that the 10% is a, it holds off the death sentence. It's a temporary hold off of the death sentence. Then all you're doing by putting your money in that plate under that old dead system is holding off the death sentence. Because you're under the law. You're under the law if you think like that you're just putting 10% in a plate so that God doesn't get angry. That's the law. But the Lord wants your whole heart. Amen. He literally wants all of you. He wants all of what you have to offer. And that is simply this, your yes. yes. He just wants you to say yes, Lord, whatever it is. Yes. I'll go, I'll do it, send me. That is that I am your vessel. Amen. And as soon as you truly do that, and you become separated from that codependent relationship called an organization, you suddenly get woken up in the middle of the night, go to Debbie's house. She's dealing with deep depression tonight. You're going to cast the demon out of her. Yeah, but Lord, it's 2.30. I don't care. Knock on Debbie's door because she's contemplating suicide tonight. And I sought you out to go deliver Debbie. Yes. Yes. That's what the church is. That's what the church is, not this numb thing called Laodicea, the lukewarm thing, right? That just comes to church on Sunday morning and checks the box. Still dead. You guys okay? I'm not cutting too deep on you, am I? <laughs> you see, in Malachi 3, I know you guys said you heard this. Um, in Malachi 3, before you get to the part where it says, um, bring your money into the storehouse, do not rob God, this is actually what, the, this is actually what Malachi 3 says and what it means. This is uh, starting with uh, verse 1. But who can endure the day of His coming? Who can stand when He appears? For He is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering of righteousness. Why is he pointing to Levi? He's actually pointing to a dead church system in a pastoral church system that, that um, is built on the law, right? The, Le the Levi priest, you understand the Levi priest? The Levi priests actually were the ones that had no promise. Do you know why Levi, the tribe of Levi, was given the assignment in, in the, the, the temple to actually serve the Lord? They, they were given that because the people brought their wheat, they brought their cows, they brought all their living things, a tenth of it. They brought it in, and the Levites got 10% of it because the Levites had no inheritance. Mm -hmm. That's what they lived on. Mm -hmm. So if you're tithing into a church system today that forces you 10%, which is under the law, the Levites, mm -hmm. right? A Levi priest. Mm 
Levite priest, right? You're actually sowing into something that has no inheritance. That scares the living daylights out of me. <laughs> You've been condemned by a false flame putting money into a system because they condemned you. They actually said, do not rob God. And I'm not saying all guys do this, but those who use this scripture, do not rob God. And you feel this like, holy crap, I better, I better do it. I better reach in deep, right? Come on, I know a lot of you guys have done that. You guys have sat in, in I mean, upstate New York is littered with this type of teaching. Amen? And so this Levite concept, the Levite had no inheritance. Right? So because the Levite didn't have an inheritance, they got a tenth of the people's tithe. Who's been taking your tithe? When you send a man like Paul around the world to make tents and preach, and yet you have a Levite system that is inundated in the church organizations around the world today, and you're sowing into it, what are you sowing into? That's pretty deep, isn't it? Right? The law was a temporary hold on judgment, but only the fire of the Holy Ghost can, can separate and deliver you um, and equip you. Right? So I'm going to read you this real quick. This is Numbers 18, verse 20. And the Lord spoke unto Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land. He's talking to the Levites. There shall be, there uh, shall have any part, they shall not have any part of them. I am the part and thy inheritance among the children of Israel. And behold, I will give the children of Levi a tenth of uh, Israel for an inheritance. Right? Verse 26. Um, and speak unto the Levites and say to them, When you take of the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering to the Lord, even a tenth part of the tithe. So the whole system is built on the law. Okay? The Levite priest is connected to the 10%. Okay? So why does Paul, why, why does the scripture say in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it talks about listen to your heart and be unctioned out of your heart to give? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. What, if, what if the Lord doesn't, what if the Lord wants more than 10%? Right. What if he wants your paycheck? What if he wants your whole heart? Yeah. I was sitting in church one time. This is 2000. I think it's 2011. Um, I had just sold a Cadillac Escalade because I had a bunch of debt I had to pay off. I have all this cash sitting in a bank account. And like two days from now, I'm paying off a bunch of debt. And I'm, I walk into church. I'm sitting there and a prophet was speaking. I'm sitting there and all, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm sitting there and I mean, clear, clear as a bell. I hear the Lord say, I want your bank account. Yeah. Oh, come on. And I, 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 dude, I, I started, I started to like, I'm, I'm going, I'm, everything in me, everything Lord, in me, you? baby, I, everything in me is like, there is, I rebuke you, devil, I rebuke you. I'm sitting there and I feel this conviction coming on me. And so I try to make myself feel good. And I pull out my checkbook. I write a thousand dollar check, and uh, I walk up. I put it in the offering, and I'm like, I'm trying to make myself feel good. I'm trying to make myself feel good. And man, I'm sitting there the whole service. I'm sitting there. I mean, the Lord is working me, man. He is working me. 
And I, my wife was home with a sick kid. She was actually in bed with uh, my middle daughter. Um, I walk in and I said, Shell. I said, you're not going to believe this, but I mean, the conviction wouldn't leave me or else I would, I would have just went to bed, right? Right. And I, I'm trying to justify it. I'm trying to get her to say, well, maybe it'll work out itself out in the morning. I said, I said, I'm pretty sure the Lord said he wants my bank account. And she turned around and she said, you gave it to him, right? <laughs> I said, I rebuke you. <laughs> so, I literally, I got out my checkbook. I wrote the check. I was 6 a.m. I was over at the church at prayer. And I handed, handed this huge check. I mean, I'm crying. I'm, I'm giving this check. I'm, I'm like, are you, I mean, I'm paying, I'm paying off this debt. This is all going away. I don't know how this is going to work. Um, but the Lord had a plan. He knew what was going to face me in the next 6 to 12 months. Because calamity after calamity came against me. And I don't know how the Lord did it, but over $200,000 upside down in a house. And the Lord literally wiped that away in one day. In one Praise day. you, God. Yeah. You're so faithful. So I didn't have to sow into a, into a Levi system of 10%. I sowed according to what the Lord asked me to do that was way beyond anybody's understanding. Right? I sowed, and the Lord literally six months later got me out from all my debt. Wiped Amen. all my debt off the books. Yeah. All my debt got wiped off the books. And so when the next, when when you say, "What's it like to follow the Holy Ghost?" You're gonna shake. You're probably gonna cry. Oh, yeah. You're gonna yeah. tremble. You're gonna yeah. say, "That's not God," because He's gonna ask you to do things that you were like, "Religion never taught me to do that." Yeah. Religion taught me to feel comfortable and just give my ten, yeah. because they had no inheritance. Yeah. Just give my ten. I don't care about an inheritance. Just give me 10. Just give me 10%. Because I, it's just, you know, I'm comfortable. I'm lukewarm. I'm not there. But I don't have an inheritance, but it's okay. Anybody, anybody, anybody settle for lukewarm? No. Anybody settle for just going, just going through the motions? You guys are okay, right? Everybody got a pulse? Check your neighbor's pulse. Everybody's like, oh my God, I see people's knees shaking. I see, I see, I see. No way, are you, are you kidding me, right? Everybody okay? I'm not saying money is evil, but the plot that makes people dead, that is connected, has, has a money concept to it that is, is part of the spell that makes you, the churchgoer, dead if you're functioning under a law, a Levite system. That's right. Okay? Voice, the voice will lead you into impossible. In fact, if the Lord is not leading you into impossible, if you're not trembling about well, how, how this situation is going to work out, I don't know what's going to happen, I don't know how you're going to heal me from this decade of being angry at this system, at this church, at this pastor, I don't know how you're going to do it. If you're not in that place, and you're not being convicted, or if you're not being sent to do supernatural things, I'd, I'd be concerned. Yeah. Because the, because when the Lord leads you out of a dead organization, just like when Jesus was truly baptized in the Holy Spirit, He was led to a desert. He was led to a battle. Anybody been led to a battle? Yes. Yeah, anybody in a battle? Oh, yeah. Amen? Because here's the deal. The punchline of this, guys, is there's a mission. The mission, the mission, there's a mission. Every one of you have a call of God on your life. There's a horse 
that uh, has been assigned to you, Ooh. and you thought you were going to find it inside of a barn called the church, bridled and tame. But the Lord doesn't put His nope. called ones on tame horses no. that are bridled and chained to a, to a barn. He actually looses His horses, wild horses, out into the world. He anoints people in the Holy Ghost and power. And He says, raise the dead, heal the sick, do the impossible. Do something that the church couldn't believe in because they have no inheritance. Do something that the Levites would just go through the routines. Right? They go, they move the ashes. They clean the altar. They remove the ashes, clean the altar. They go in, they get a little bit something to eat of the people's 10%. Right? It's routine, it's mundane, it's dead, it's powerless. There's no inheritance in it. Some of you have been sitting under Levites. Some of you grew up under Levites. Some of you thought that because they used the word Holy Ghost, and actually offered a couple people to prophesy that you were under a supernatural place. But the reality is, are you codependent? Here's the punchline of this. Are you codependent or are you anointed in the Holy Ghost, a wild one, roaming the earth according to the voice of the Lord? Because if you're not roaming the earth saying, all right, Lord, which city am I going to next? Which which living room am I going to next? Which nation am I going to next? Where's the dead man that we're going to raise next? Where's the demonized person we're going to deliver next? If that's not your mindset, you're codependent. Is there anybody in here codependent? No. You liars. Don't be lying to me. Don't you dare lie to me. You see, codependency will keep bringing you back. You see, when you come out of it, as the Holy Ghost is leading you out of dead religious thought processes and systems, your soul, with the support of a witchcraft spirit, will take you back to what you were tied to. Because the codependency doesn't like wild horses. Right? The witchcraft spirit wants you tied up in a barn where you can't mess with Satan's people, where you can't raise a dead man, where you can't cast the demons out of the demonized. He wants you tied up thinking that the church will anoint me and, and equip me whenever it's my time. Come on, and I know there's people in here who went through that season. Right? That's a lie from the devil. I know people that got baptized in the Holy Ghost and started to prophesy. I know people that got baptized in the Holy Ghost and started casting demons out of people in India that night. I believe it. You see, I know people that said, I give my life, baptize me in the Holy Ghost. They had no religion in them, and all they could do was say, what's next, Jesus? Who am I going to anoint next? Who am I going to bring next? Come on. You see, America has been religiosified, man. Churchianity. Dead, powerless systems with a false flame saying, come back here and put your 10% in a plate. Don't make God mad at you. And that's a lie. Believe me, I'm not saying don't give. Because the Lord, like the Lord leads you to give in yep. people's yes, missions, and that's, right. that, that's a real thing. Sowing in what you sow into, you will reap, right? Yeah. So I'm not I'm not addressing that. I'm addressing the condemning message that keeps people codependent in a dead religious system. Amen? And so I'm going to read one more scripture and then we're going to pray. Anybody ready to pray? Because I firmly believe, you see, and some of you have been recently baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're hearing the voice of God, but there's demonic voices that still taunt you, that still take you back to the dead thing, that still say, I want to go back to that dead thing. 
right? And those dead, those those feelings, if you don't deal with them, will haunt you. And because you'll justify it, well, that's just me. That's just my soul. I, I really miss those people. I really, you know, I really, I really like those people. You know, Abraham didn't step into his destiny until Lot got removed out of his life. The one where the voice of God came upon a man and said, you will have an inheritance like the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky until Lot was removed from his life. His destiny wasn't triggered. It wasn't released. Even though there was a prophecy. Right? Say this with me. Say, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Ghost. Relieve, deliver me. Deliver me. From every codependent relationship. Whether it's personal, whether it's personal or a dead church. Or a dead church. Set me free. Set me free. I'll do what you ask me to do. I'll do what you ask me to do. Because I believe. Because I believe. Life is in your voice. Life is in your voice. And oh by the way, drive out every demon. Drive out every demon. Every witchcraft spirit. Every witchcraft spirit. It will take me back. take me back. Into dead codependent relationships. In Jesus' name. So I have to ask you a question. Will you buy gold refined in the fire? Revelation chapter 3, the the title of the place where Jesus took me into hell was the factory was called Laodicea. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read you the scripture, Revelation 3, about the the church of, of Laodicea. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, willing to come back on rinse, wash, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, whatever that cycle is, but coming back to the same cycle, lukewarm, not really doing anything supernatural, but coming back and feeling good in a place that is actually lukewarm and keeping you dead, right? So then because you are are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, I've become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked." I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich with white garments. How, how did Jesus say in, the, in the Acts chapter 2 and uh, Luke 24 about the Holy Ghost coming upon people? He said He would clothe you in the Holy Ghost. Yes. Right? You would be clothed. You would be fully equipped. So He's talking about here that white garments, the garment of the Holy Ghost would come upon you. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich with white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice, voice. if anybody hears my voice, can you hear the voice of the Lord calling you out of the dead place? And to trust Him even in the desert place because your desert is not a discipline. Your desert is not a bad thing. Your desert is a, is a launching pad. Your yes. desert yes. is a place of battling the, uh, the, the, uh, yeah, the forces of evil, battling Satan himself who's de- trying to deceive you to bring you back into codependency, into a powerless thing. And Jesus is saying, buy from me gold refined in the fire. Do you know every one of you have, a, have gold in you? Yes. There is a call. There is gifts from God in you. Yeah. There is a purpose in you that the apostolic anointing is here to awaken and equip you and pull out of you. But you have to set your heart 
to buy the gold. Okay? You literally have to buy the gold. You have to lay down your life and choose to follow the voice instead of being dependent on a system. A lukewarm, dead system can never supplement and, and give you what only Jesus can give you. That gold that is in you can only be bought at a price. Jesus actually bought it, but you, He wants your heart. Buy it. He's saying, buy it. You may say, that, that's, that doesn't sound right. No, He's saying, buy it. You know what He says? He wants your whole heart. He's saying, give me your life. Give me your life that you would not settle for lukewarm. That you wouldn't go back to that dead place and think you're, there's going to be life in it. That you would literally buy it from me. That you would literally reach into my heart and pull out of me what only I can give you. He's talking about a prayer life. Right? He's talking about your prayer life being the central element that will awaken and launch you. Amen? Amen. So is there anybody here to buy gold refined in the fire? Amen? You see, when Jesus was stood in front of the 5,000, He actually told the disciples, you feed them. Right? Has anybody been feeding anybody? Who here has a, a, uh, a ministry at your kitchen table? Amen. Uh, do I see all hands? I, I better see all hands. If you don't, if you don't have a, a, a ministry call at your kitchen table with friends, relatives, somebody, we have a problem. So I want to see every hand raised because there's teachers, there's preachers, there's pastors, there's deliverers. You are Christ. You are the ones baptized in Christ. You do what Christ did. You don't go into a temple, say three Hail Marys, kumbaya, right? Make yourself feel good. Bless yourself ten times and out the door you go. And you may say, well, I don't do that. I don't go to a Catholic church. Well, if you go to a repetitive place every Sunday on wash, rinse, repeat, doing the same circular routine motions, and there's no power flowing through your life, you're lukewarm. At best, you're lukewarm. Jesus said it's actually the worst place to be, is lukewarm. At least if you're cold, drunk, Right? If you're an absolute sinner, you fall on your face and cry out, Jesus literally shows up in sinners' houses. Yeah, amen. Right? Yes, he does. But lukewarm, the people deceive the yeah. people who think they're good, they're righteous, but they have no supernatural power and life flowing through them. Right? It's a spell. It's the angels of light. Amen. So let's let's pray here. Amen. We're gonna we're gonna start to pray because I I really believe that the Lord um, is going to deliver people um, here tonight of, of some codependency. Codependency <coughs> is, is a spell. Alright? If you're dependent on an organization, a system, a dead thing, looking back, I wish that had never happened to me. I wish, I wish I, I, I'd still be you know, there. Why those people be so mean to me? Why did the pastor take advantage of me? Right? Those are, those are codependent scenarios. And my experience is the Lord actually uses death to bring life. I mean, I, I, when I first met Kirk and, and Sandra, I mean, <laughs> John and Shelley invited me up a year ago and we're preaching and I, I, called, I called them out of the audience. And I said, I, said um, I see you got knocked off your horse, but the Lord's going to fix you and put you back on it. 
And that, that season in Kirk's life was brutal. But it was actually the blessing because if he wasn't set free from a dead system of codependency that could not build, it could not launch, it could not equip, right? He'd still be there dead. But the Lord had a plan. Yes, he did. Right? The Lord, the Lord has a plan. Amen. Say this with me. Say, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Awaken me. Awaken me. To the fullness of your plan. To the fullness of your plan. Set me free. Set me free. To follow your voice. To follow your voice. I repent. I repent. In every way. In every way. That I've been duped. That I've been duped. That I've been taken advantage of. I've been taken advantage of. That I've been had my life stolen from me. That I've had my life stolen from me. I need you. I need you to drive out every demonic spirit. To drive out every demonic spirit. Drive out witchcraft. Drive out witchcraft. Drive out sorcery. Drive out sorcery. Drive out the spell. Drive out the spell that has made me tolerant. That has made me tolerant of being lukewarm. Of being lukewarm. Deliver me, Jesus. Deliver me, Jesus. Baptize me in the Holy Ghost and fire. Declare war. Declare war on my enemies. On my enemies. On your enemies, Father. On your enemies, that have kept me. That have kept me from being a wild one. Ooh, from being, being a wild one. From being free. From, from being free. From raising the dead. From, from raising the, the dead. Healing the sick. Healing the sick. Casting out devils. Casting out devils. And baptizing thousands. Baptizing thousands. In the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Ghost. Set me free. Set me free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I command. I command. Every witchcraft spirit. Every witchcraft spirit. Leave me now. Leave me now. Jezebel. Jezebel. Leave me now. Leave me now. Politics. Politics. Leave me now. Leave me now. Religion. Religion. Leave me now. Leave me now. Every demonic spirit. Every demonic spirit. Leave me now. Leave me now. Come out. 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 Upon me. From hell. From hell. I break your power. I break your power. My eyes have been opened. My eyes have been opened. By the fire of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org. D A V I D C U P P E T T dot O R G or Five Stone Ministries dot org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.